Hello, everybody. Welcome to Silent Hill Radio. My name is Eric, and tonight's double feature is two stories. Two stories that I'm not really going to tell you much about, except that the first story, one man is hidden. And in the second story, another man is found. Enjoy. And today's play was recorded in the 1950s and is set in Italy. We present Howard Marion Crawford and Brian Wilde in The New Catechum, adapted for radio from a short story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The New Catechum. They've got my message. Come along in. Oh, thank, thank you, Kennedy. Hang your head up. Oh, what's in your bag? Oh, a few odd things I thought might interest you. Right, eh? Bring him to the study. But you know my motto, pleasure before business. Let's have a drink first. <laughs> all, all right, thank you. So long as you don't expect me to keep pace with you. <laughs> Come along in. Oh, warm tonight, isn't it? Well, it's soft and pretty warm at this time of the year in Rome. I like it, anyway. Do you mind if I open a window? Oh, that's the idea. You open a window and I'll open a bottle. It's fair division of labor. <laughs> oh, come on, you bro. Have you, have you seen the continental edition of the Courier? No. But it's that I want to see you about. No, I'm afraid I've been working all day in my room. Oh. Well, uh, we've got something to celebrate. Oh, Salute. Cheers. C- cigarette? Yeah. Oh, no, of course you don't. Well, what do you mean? We've got something to celebrate. Now, now you listen to this, my lad. Uh, where is it now? It's in the gossip. Uh... Oh, yeah. Here, here we are. I'm told the two young Englishmen in Rome are shedding new light on an old subject. Archaeology, it seems, isn't the exclusive province of old gentlemen with long beards and short sight. <laughs> I like that bit. <laughs> uh, um, now, listen to this, Len. Edmund Kennedy's recent daring reconstructions of the Baths of Caracalla has excited admiration and controversy. I hear that savants are heading for Rome to see the wonderfully imaginative model he has made. The ingenuity he has displayed may well give fresh impetus to the science of antiquities. Uh, another Englishman in Rome, Charles Benchley, is working on the theory that there are fresh discoveries to be made under the foundations of the Eternal City. It is generally agreed that the ancient catacombs, the underground cemeteries in which the early Christians buried their dead, have long since yielded up their last secrets. But Benchley, I hear, is stubbornly pursuing his idea that there are fresh underworlds to be conquered. So far, without result. Now, where are you going? Well, I, well I, I, I think it's pretty cheap stuff. I, <laughs> it, it was quite inaccurate. It's full of feeble little cracks and cliches. I, I mean to say, the, the eternal city, yeah. new light on an old subject. Oh, this is smart alec journalism. Oh, oh, not that I'm belittling the work you've done, only... Only what? Well, I think that this sort of thing only cheapens our work. 
I wonder where the paper got hold of this stuff. I thought perhaps you might have inspired it. I? Good heavens, no. Oh, no, I, I, I assure you, Kennedy, I'd never dream of such a thing. No, I believe that our, our sort of work should be done almost by stealth until we are ready ourselves to publish results. Oh, I don't know. A little bit of publicity never did anyone any harm. Besides, it's expected nowadays. <laughs> I'm a brilliant young man, Benchley, and my, oh, what was it, uh, my ingenuity and imagination have given fresh impetus to interest in archaeology. <laughs> well, damn it, man, why should film stars get all the limelight? Aren't we doing work of lasting value? By unraveling the past, we forecast the future. No, no, here's two publicity. <laughs> Perhaps you're right. Uh, I expect I'm too diffident. Yes, of course you are. Uh, if you're not careful, you're going to develop into one of those old men with long beards and short sight <laughs> who practically live at the British Museum. <laughs> well, certainly I sometimes wonder how long I shall stick it in Rome. Oh, to be in England now that October's there, huh? Yes, I suppose so. Well, that's not how I see it. I like Rome, I like my work, and I like my freedom. Do you honestly tell me you'd go back to the stuffy conventions of the suburbs? Well, there's, there's a good deal to be said for the suburbs. There's a good deal too much said in the suburbs, if you ask me. <laughs> what would the neighbors say if they saw you sitting at a table in, well, Streatham High Road drinking Chianti? Well, it would be a little unusual, wouldn't it? Exactly, but it isn't here. And the girls, my dear fella. Oh, the girls. <laughs> How many flashing-eyed charmers would you count on a tour around Tooting Beck Common? Oh, oh. 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 a number, surely. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't. But in Rome. Ah. Now, I must say Italian women appeal to me. That one in Ricci's bar, huh? The beautiful Lucia with the luscious curves. Oh, I, I don't think I've spoken to an Italian girl since I came here, except the servants, of course. Well, why not make the best of both worlds, as I do? Don't you believe when they say you can't have your cake and eat it? You can, you know. You can. Yeah, but, but, but I'm not much good at philandering. Besides, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. You're pretty lucky, you know, Kennedy. I mean, private income and all that. Look, look at this flat. A real apartamento discreto. Hey, it's nice, isn't it? I doubt if there's a better in the city. One could say that you had everything. Reputation, money, uh, good looks. I'm afraid I envy you sometimes. Well, I'm not complaining. <laughs> well, really, I'm, I'm not complaining either, though. You'd laugh if you knew how many lira I spent per month on my camera per una persona. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I oh. say, don't, don't think I ought to have any more. Go on, man. Oh. You're only young one. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, oh thanks. That'll do. I say, Kennedy, yeah? there's something I rather want to mention to you. All right, Ed. I had lunch today with Gregory. Oh, that ass. He said something about you that I took pretty strong exception to. In fact, I got very angry with him. Oh, I wish I'd been there to see you, Angry. Oh, no, you'd be surprised. I... Well, go on. <laughs> I know Gregory doesn't like me. Well, what did he say? Not that I give a damn. Oh, oh perhaps I'd better shut up. <laughs> it's the wine. <laughs> well, he began to talk about that pretty English art student who didn't come back to Rome after the vacation. Which art student? Mary Sutherland. Oh, no, that, that, that's not her name. Uh, uh, oh, Sanderson, isn't it? What did Gregory say? He told me to ask you where she was. Then he went on to tell her, well, an unpleasant story about her. I must say I got damned annoyed with him, and I told him I didn't believe a word of it. That's very loyal of you, but I still don't know what he said. I'd like to 
Well, he said that you took Miss Sanderson for a, a holiday and then abandoned her. Said she went back to England broken-hearted because you refused to carry out your promise to marry her. He said there was a deal of scandal being talked about. He got it all wrong. Well, I told him I wouldn't believe it. But you can't afford to let Greffelin go about spreading slander like that. You ought to do something about it. Shut him up or, or prosecute well, him. Why should I trouble doing you thought? Oh, it's not of my business, of course. I merely thought that if you didn't contradict such lies, people will assume that they're true. Now, why should I care? <laughs> If Mary and I had a burnt-out love affair and parted by mutual consent, that's our business, isn't it? Yes, of course. Love, my dear fellow, is a big word. It covers a great many shades of uh, feeling and emotion. Mary's a sweet and charming girl would be discovered it was simply a passing affair. Well, we, we, we did have a wonderful time together at Bellagio on Lake Como. That was a lovely place, especially in the spring. Teddy, mm. I'm so glad we came here, aren't you? Yes, Mary. Don't you think this is the most beautiful place in the whole world? Yes, it's pretty good, I must say. <laughs> pretty good. That's a nice piece of understatement. Just go around in the circle, darling, so that I can see Bellagio, then Catanapia, then Verena, without even having to stir off my feet. Heartbroken when we have to leave tomorrow. No, that's not quite true. Even perfection has to come to an end, eh? Go ahead, I agree. In a way, darling, I'm anxious that this perfection should come to an end. Are you? Yes. What you said to me when we first fell in love is quite true. You remember you called me a Puritan? So I did. You were quite right. That's what I am at heart, a conventionally minded Puritan. I've been happy here in a kind of way, but I shan't be really easy in my mind till we reach London and get married. Uh, uh, um, uh, look, Mary, I, I want to talk to you about this. Oh, I know what you're going to say. A few perfunctory words spoken over our heads by the parson can't possibly change him. I know that, sir. But I still want to have the words spoken over uh, Darling, certain um, complications have cropped up. Complications? Yes, I... I can't possibly go to London with you, I'm afraid. I, not at present, anyhow. But that was the arrangement, Teddy. Mother and father expect us on Wednesday. Yes, yes, I know, I know. But I, I shall have to ask you to go on alone tomorrow from Milan while I go back to Rome. Well, of course, I'll join you later. But I don't want to turn up without you. I'll wait till you can come. What happened? That letter I had on Friday, I... Well, I, I didn't want to spoil our holiday by telling you, but it was from Professor Voss of Berlin. He's coming especially to see me in Rome next week. But you can put him off for a few weeks. Not a man of bosses standing. It would seriously damage my career not to meet him. Your career? Doesn't occur to you that you're damaging mine? Teddy, you can't possibly mean this. But they're getting ready at home. Yes, I said I'd carry out my promise later. Don't say that as though you have the slightest intention of doing it. I couldn't believe you'd treat me in this way. I can't believe it yet. What do you mean? Now, don't start to get excited and make a scene. I'm only asking you to wait a little, and then I'll come to London and... Teddy, are you backing up? Mary, I wish you'd try to be sensible and listen to me and carefully. And the whispers in Rome were true. 
Hmm? I see now that Richard Gregory was trying to warn you. What are you talking about? And I didn't have the slightest suspicion of you. I thought you were in love with me. Well, of course I was. Was? Well, I think you must see for yourself that we aren't quite as keen on each other as we thought. How easy you must have found it. It never occurred to me to believe that you could say all those lovely things and not mean a word of them. Well, we were attracted to each other at first. You asked me to marry you and said you'd come home with me and meet my parents and have the wedding in London. Look, Mary, we might as well face Then you had a brilliant idea. On our way home, you said, why not let's have a week at the most wonderful and beautiful place in the world, the Lazio. Well, you were perfectly agreeable. Perfectly agreeable. All you can say. I really don't see the need for all this drama. Now, we've had our holiday and we're not going to be married. Another conquest for Mr. Kennedy. I've already said I'll come as soon as I can get away. My work is very important. That's what I, I thought of my life and my future. Rather important to me. But they don't seem to mean anything to you. Well, of course they do. Will you come back to Rome in September? I shall never come back to Rome. Never. I hope I shall never see you again. Oh, say, look here, Mary. Put me ashore, please. I think you're behaving in the most extraordinary way. Put me ashore. What are you going to say about the coma? My dear Benchley, when you know a little more about the world, you'll realize that a man doesn't discuss this sort of thing. Oh, I see. I'd say no more about it. Now then... What about opening your case and seeing those specimens of yours, eh? Oh, yes, certainly. Hmm, I say. What are these? Oh, tiles. Mm, I thought they'd interest you. But where did you get them? In a place I found. Forgive me, but I'd prefer not to be more explicit at this moment. And what's this? Bottle? That's what I'd say. But it's... It's crueler than anything I've ever seen. Oh, my view, exactly. And the... The incisions on these inscriptions. I've never seen characters like them before. Surely they're very early and primitive. My dear chap, it's the most exciting place. Crude, primitive, yes. Those are the words. I don't believe that any eyes except mine have seen this place for... Oh, for many centuries. Is it true, then, that you've discovered a new catacomb? Yes. Are you sure that it isn't in Bosio's standard work? Positive. Well, well, this is going to put you on the map, Benchley. Perhaps. I, I don't know. That's not the aspect of the thing that interests me at the moment. But how did you come to light on it? Damn it, man. I thought that every catacomb in Rome had been catalogued a hundred years ago. Is it just an odd, undiscovered gallery no, in one of these... It's a complete new catacomb. It's quite... Oh, it, it's quite enormous in extent and incredibly complicated. I've known of its existence now for quite some months. I stumbled on the clue by accident when I was in the university library. Yes, go on. But there are treasures down there that no one but myself has ever seen. Marvelous amphorae, mostly perfect. There are some tremendously interesting murals that I, I haven't had time to inspect properly yet and a, a perfectly wonderful chapel somewhere near the center of the whole warren. It's hopeless to try to describe the place. It must be seen to be credited. All right, let me see it. Oh, I... No, I, I, I'm sorry, Cleverly, but I... 
I can't quite bring myself to let anybody in on this one. Not quite yet. Then why did you mention it at all? Oh, that's silly of me. I know I expect this excellence from Auntie of yours is responsible. But damn it all, old boy, you can surely trust me. I'd be the last man on earth to blab about it to anyone. Oh, well, well you... you know my ideas. Say nothing to anyone until you're sure of your conclusions. But from what I gather, it would take one man years to explore and catalogue the place. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that's right, years. In fact, it, it, it couldn't be done by one man, never. There's miles of it. Miles. Well, where about it? Near the great aqueduct. <laughs> Sounds like a discovery of the first importance. These inscriptions alone will make a sensation. Basically, you're a lucky devil. Well, not exactly lucky. I, I've worked on the thing rather hard for some time. I must tell you how I lighted on the entrance. It's quite a detective story. Mm -hmm. Well, well, tell me. No, it, it'll take too long. Not, not tonight. Oh, it's too bad, rousing my curiosity like this. I, if I'd been lucky enough to be the discoverer, I'd have taken you into my confidence. Oh, really? Of course. I don't want you to think I distrust you. Well, well, then, just let me take one look at it. <laughs> oh, really, Kennedy, you're awfully persuasive. Look, right? come on, come on. I, I tell you what. I'll let you blindfold me as soon as we get near the place. Would you? Oh, certainly. And you can do the same after we leave. Now, is that fair enough? Well, I don't know. I... Well, perhaps I wouldn't mind showing you the catacomb under those conditions. <laughs> no, it sounds childish. Good, 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 fine. Well, what, what, what are we waiting for? Let's go. You mean tonight? Of course, why not? Oh, oh, but I, I haven't come prepared. What do you need? Not, nothing, really, except a good talk. Look in that drawer over there. Oh. i got a flashlight there that throws a terrific beam. Oh, yes. Oh, the very thing for the job. Well, you don't seem to have an excuse left. <laughs> no, I don't, do I? <laughs> Though I must say, I hadn't intended to... Oh, well, all right, then. Actually, I'm quite clean myself. I haven't been down for a couple of days. How do we go, Jackson? No, I think not. If you don't mind, I'd rather walk. I've been inside all day in a little fresh air. Oh, I'm fine. Walk suits me. Let's move there. Oh, it seems an awful time of night to go, but... Oh, well, all right. Take this damn handkerchief off now. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Well, well, well where on are we? It's an abandoned cow shed. <laughs> I rented it from the owner, and I keep the place padlocked, as you see. And the entrance to the catacombs? Is it inside here? Mm, under the straw here. If you'll hold the torch. All right, thanks. There. This is the entrance. There are 20 steps down, but wait a minute first. I've got to put my harness on. Oh. So that's what all this roller towel <laughs> arrangement, all the stout string on it is, isn't it? Well, you see, as the catacomb is still largely unexplored, and this is a perfect rabbit one, and I take this precaution. Uh-huh, you tie this string on my waist, you see, like this. Yes. And no matter where I wander to, I can be sure of getting back. <laughs> that's ingenious. Well, I had some pretty narrow escapes at first until I got some hang of the layout. Mm. There's an incredible number of passages which divide and subdivide in a, in a most bewildering way. How do you find your way at all if it's so complicated? Oh, well, there's a certain system to it, of course. And I, I've made a few marks of my own here and there to guide me. Yeah. I'm pretty expert in getting around nowadays, but if a stranger blundered down here, I wouldn't give a button for his chances. Oh, well, I'm ready. Now, give me the torch, will you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go down. 
wait till I get to the bottom, and I'll try and talk up. Okay. Chamber that, well, there are at least a dozen passages radiating from here for a start. Oh, yes. Oh, where do we go? Oh, this way. Now, don't let's loiter to look at things meantime, because the real marbles are in the central chapel, and it's quite some distance away. Oh, what a place. Cracked brown walls and rows and rows of tombs. Here, here, where is it? That's a bit. You see this inscription here? Pax, uh, what is it? Pax Tinkle. Ah. Yes. Uh, and here's another one. Max TV. This is certainly a very early day. Well, oh, I think it may prove to be the earliest of them all. But let's push on. There are far more wonderful things to be seen. Ah, you know your way around here beats me. The passage is everywhere. The place is an absolute labyrinth. It, it gets more confusing further on. Yeah. Now, round this way. Hey, wait, wait a minute. What's this on top of this tomb? A bracelet? Oh, yes. Oh, but I can show you mirrors and... And then combs and armlets and, and, and earrings and buckles and brooches and all the usual domestic paraphernalia left by relatives near the tombs of their friends. And of course, the usual toys and dice and money jars, some with coins in them. But this is marvelous. Oh, I wish we could stop no, a moment. No, already. no, not this visit. Uh, no, 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 wait a moment. Um, I'm with it. Yes, we turn, we turn left here. Oh. It's funny, but this little bit always baffles me for a moment. Oh, this discovery will absolutely make your name, man. Yes, perhaps. Now, come on. Oh, wait a minute. Is this a wall painting? Yes. Oh, but it's nothing compared with what I show you. Now, oh, keep pressing on, Kennedy, please. You know, all this is small stuff so far. There's rather a fine tomb over there. Yeah. We'll have a closer look on the way back. Yes. This is far more wonderful than St. Agnes. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, to the right, yeah? Huh? Uh, don't loiter. Please, Kennedy. Yes, I've well, done it all, man. It's so tempting. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, I'll lose you. <laughs> hey, wait. Oh, that's... This is utterly awesome. bewildering. Now, down this little slope, now. Now, now steady. All right. Right? Yes, I'll be right. Okay. Well, I hope the battery in your torch is a good one. Yes, it's new, thank goodness. <laughs> We've been a spot of it, we're not. Oh, there's always this train. <laughs> well, how far are we going? Seems to have come quite a long way already. Well, I've never measured the distance, but uh, it's a goodish way before you reach the centre. Mm. I've never yet discovered the limits of the place. Now, don't talk to me for a minute. This is the most difficult place of all. Uh, yes, yes, this way. It's not too far now. This beats me. I've never seen such a network of intersecting passages. I can't, really, I can't think how you know your way about Oh, I have practically lived down here for the last three months. Uh, now, in a minute, we come to the place I've been talking about. Uh, it's a large circular hall with 
a great square pedestal of porous rock topped by a slab of marble. Here we are. Look. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Why, that's a Christian off. That's what I think. It might easily be the first one of its kind of existence. I hope it may be. Look, shine, shine your, your torch on, on the yes. end of the marble lobby. There? Yes. Right. Look. Here is a little consecration cross, nothing in the corner. Ah. Yes. 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 It's unique, I think. When we get this place explored and mapped out, it'll cause a sensation. The very earliest Christians must have worshipped here when their religion was still prescribed. Yeah. That's why they made the labyrinth so unusually complicated, of course. Mm. As a rough guess, I'd say there, there are about a, a thousand possible wrong turnings between this wall and the entrance. What? That's a sobering thought. <laughs> you know, you've no idea what real darkness is like. Until you get down here. I tried it once as an experiment and it scared me stiff. <laughs> Look, I, I'll just switch off the light for a moment and let you see. <sighs> That's horrible. It's not just an ordinary darkness, is it? It, it seems to press on you. It almost mothers you. That'll do, Benjamin. Switch on again. You, you sound quite funny. Switch on the light, man. <laughs> no, wait a minute first. Do you notice how, when the light's off, you lose all idea of where sounds are coming from? Yes. Yes, I do. Your your voice seems to be coming from from every every side of me. Switch on the light, man. No, no, I don't think I will. I think I need you in the dark to find your own way back. What? Good God, man, have you gone mad? Not at all. Another devil you're playing at. This is not a damn nonsense. Where are you? Where are you? Don't hurry, Kennedy. You've all the time in the world. And when you sit down occasionally for a rest, just ask yourself whether you treated Mary Sanderson fairly. Mary Sanderson? What is this? What are you saying? Where are you, man? You seem to be getting further away. Put on the light! I know a deal more about Mary's ruined life than you think. I was in love with her. And just on the point of overcoming my shyness and asking her to marry me when you took her away on that little holiday to the Togo. For the God's sake, man, you... You slipped out of that hole pretty easily, didn't you, Kennedy? Now see if you can get out of this one. Oh, oh no. The it. He can't. <laughs> Bentley! God damn it, my God. Bentley! 
In The New Catechism by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, adapted for radio by R.J.V. Seller, Kennedy was played by Howard Marion Crawford, Benchley by Brian Wilde, and Mary by Pauline Yates. The producer was R.D. Smith. In The New Catechism by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, adapted for radio by R.J.V. Seller, Kennedy was played by Howard Marion Crawford, Benchley by Brian Wilde, and Mary by Pauline Yates. The producer was R.D. Smith. Today's play was recorded in the 1960s and is set in England. We present Max Adrian in W.S., adapted for Edia uh, from the story by L.P. Hartley. W.S. <laughs> like a picture of Porfer. You have always been so interested in Scotland, and that is one reason why I am interested in you. I have enjoyed all your books, but do you really get to grips with people? I doubt it. Try to think of this as a handshake from your devoted admirer, W.S. Well, that's all it says, Dodson, and there's a colored view of Porfer on the other side. Very nice, if everything isn't really that color. <laughs> I wish I had a devoted admirer or two. <laughs> you have a wife and two children, or is it three? It is. Oh, they're devoted enough, I suppose. I rather think you'd be stretching it a bit to class them as admirers. <laughs> you know, I was only talking about it with Ellis Black down at the club the other day, deploring the lack of direct contact between the writer and his public. Here you are. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Saying how satisfying it must be to stand up on a stage and to see them there and hear them applauding you. And giving you the raspberry. You'd have to have it both ways. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I don't think I'd mind even that. Here I sit, cooped up with a typewriter and a ream of tour paper for six, nine, twelve months. And what's the end of it? A book which looks strange even to me when I see it for the first time in print with a ghastly wrapper no one's even consulted me about. And after that... An occasional glimpse of a copy in a bookshop. Always one copy, I may say, flanked by half a dozen of somebody else's. <laughs> and a procession of steadily diminishing royalty statements at seemingly interminable intervals. It's all so, so remote. Oh, well, the only thing left is to write a play. Then you can go before the curtain on the first night and make a speech and they'll clap you. There you are, I've hit it. First, write your play. I've tried. Oh, it's a different art. No purple passages of description. All character. Character. And to quote your friend from Forfa, do you really get to grips with people? Yes. He says he doubts it. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. Then, then there could be something in it, I suppose. I'll admit that the thing I'm least happy with is a rule. Why? For uh, always me. Or just the opposite of how I see myself. Well, I must hand it to my devoted admirer in Forfa. He's a perceptive critic. Somebody does care about you, you see. Do you get many letters? Oh, a few. Do you reply to them? Yes. I'm very particular about that. Mind you, I don't get off two pages by return post, like I would have done at one time. 
Still, I do let them have an acknowledgement of some sort, at the very least. So what will you say to Mr. W.S.? Oh, nothing, I'm afraid. He doesn't give any address on either of them. Either? Oh, then this isn't the first time he's written. Yes, this was the first. There has been another since, though. Only yesterday. I think it's here somewhere. Yes. Here it is. Picture postcard again. Forfer? No, very Tweed. <laughs> With Streeter through Scotland. <laughs> Oh, think of the dreary hours and hotel bedrooms you're helping to while away for some poor traveller. Now, there's justification of your work for you. Well, a curious character. Listen to this. What do you think of Berwick on Tweed? Like you, it's on the border. I say, that's going a bit No, wait, he goes on. I hope this doesn't sound rude. I don't mean that you're a borderline case. You know how much I admire your stories. Some people call them otherworldly. I think you should clump for one world or the other. Another warm handshake from W.S. Well, he believes in being frank. Or she. A woman? Oh, I'd hardly think so. Uh, let's see the handwriting. Well, it looks like a man's. I'm inclined to agree. On the other hand, it's, it's like a woman to probe. I mean, to want to make me feel at the same time flattered, but unsure of myself. And has W.S. succeeded in that? Up to a point, Yes. What's this about your stories being otherworldly? I shouldn't have thought. Neither should I, in all fairness to myself. I don't say, mind you, that I plant my feet quite firmly on the ground all the time. I'm rather an escapist, you know. But that seems to be the novelist all over these days. That's exactly what I tell myself when I catch myself at it. So W.S.'s remark isn't personal, quite? No. No. Another drink, old man. Oh, I have to drive, remember? My devoted admirers will be wondering where I've got to. <laughs> well, what is it for you this evening? Club or typewriter? Oh, far side, I think. With a book. By someone else. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, I say, this November's colder than last, isn't it? Oh, so it seems to me. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Are you writing anything much at present? Oh, the odd thing... Well, no, nothing much. One of those temporary ruts, you know. Excuse me, sir. Oh, yes, Mrs. Kendall. Are you, you off now? Uh, yes, sir. I've left your meal all ready for when you want it. Ah, that's very kind of you. All right, sir. Oh, and there's this card for you. It must have fluttered down under the hall table in the afternoon delivery. I've just caught sight of it when I went to get my coat. A card? Oh. I'll be going then, sir. Good night, sir. Good night, Mr. Good night, Mrs. Kendall. Uh, uh, yes, uh, good night. Uh, I must be going, too. No. Just a moment. Hmm? It's another. Not W.S. Yes, York Minster this time. Take a look. York Minster? I know you are interested in cathedrals. I'm sure this isn't a sign of megalomania in your case, but smaller churches are sometimes more rewarding. I'm seeing a good many churches on my way south. Are you busy writing, or are you looking round for ideas? Another hearty handshake from your friend W.S. Well, I'm done. You're sure you won't have another? No, I mustn't. I say, though, all this about cathedrals, why? 
Uh, of course, he's he's quite right. I am interested in cathedrals. Are you? Uh, especially, I mean. I once wrote a fantasy about Lincoln Cathedral. Oh, years ago. I did a piece about it in a travel book once, too. I didn't know. I didn't know anyone knew. first wasn't published and the second wasn't signed. And you know, I am inclined to undervalue parish churches. Something to do with size. Cathedrals move me by their size. I've always felt it. Well, I don't think you're alone there. I never stopped to think about it myself. I have. This W.S. seems to... to know I have. Dodson. Who the hell is he? You're sure it isn't a joke? Any of your more frivolous friends travelling south from Scotland just now? Not that I know of. Well, the initials, W.S. Are you sure they don't ring a bell? And I've thought about that already. I, I can't see any connection. W.S. William Shakespeare? Oh, hardly. W.S. Gilbert? Still before your time. W.S. Morm. William Somerset Morm. Oh, I somehow don't see Somerset Morm sending me picture postcards from anywhere. No. Well, I've found three W.S.'s for you and all writers. Now, there's a thought. Ah, oh, forget about it. You've always told me what a jealous crew writers are. Perhaps this is one of them trying to rattle you from sheer jealousy. Oh. Now, think of a writer, not of the front rank, of course, with the initials W.S. <sighs> this is futile. <laughs> of course! Well, what now? Well, disregarding what I said about not being of the front rank, W.S. Walter Streeter. You! Oh, really, Doc? That's it! As soon as I leave here, you'll be out of the house and in a taxi to King's Cross. You'll take the first train to, to Leeds or Bradford or somewhere, scribbling a card as you go. You'd have bought the card here, of course, because there'll be nowhere open when you arrive. You post the card when you get there, take the next train back, and here you are again in the morning waiting for the postman. I see it all. Dodson, this, this doesn't strike me as funny, you know. And that's just your trouble, if I may say so. What you need, old boy, is a holiday. All this concern over a sticky patch in your work can't quite come to grips with your characters, stories a bit out of this world. Nothing at all that a ten-mile walk in the country air wouldn't cure. Aren't you forgetting something? What? Uh, I must be off. That I didn't write those postcards. And that W.S., whoever he or she may be, did. My dear fellow, it's all quite plain. They are written by a woman, just as you thought. Now, I'm sure it's a woman. She's probably fallen in love with you and wants to make you interested in her. I should pay no attention whatsoever. Well, people in the public eye are always getting letters from lunatics. If they worry you, destroy them without reading them in future, if there are any more. That sort of person is often a little psychic, and if she senses that she's getting a rise out of you, she'll go on. Perhaps. Uh, perhaps you're right. My most devoted admirer thinks I'm always right, <laughs> so long as I keep on agreeing with her. Uh, no, I'll see myself out. Huh? And don't worry so much. Morning, sir. Oh, good morning. There's a packet wouldn't go through the box. Oh, thank you. And a card. Well, that's a lot. Good good morning. Morning, sir. I'm coming nearer. 
I've got as near as Coventry. Have you ever been sent to Coventry? I have. In fact, you sent me. It isn't a pleasant experience, I can tell you. Perhaps we shall come to grips after all. Have I given you any new ideas? If I have, you ought to thank me, for they are what novelists want, I understand. I have been re-reading your novels, living in them, I might say. Je vous serre la main. As always, W.S. And there were two cards before these from Bericon Tweed and... Uh... Forfa. I'm sorry, Inspector, but I burnt them just after my friend Mr. Dodson left me yesterday evening. Pity, but I don't think they'd have helped us much. You said you received the one from York while Mr. Dodson was still with you, though. What made you keep that one? Well, I'd only glanced at it. I wanted to read it more carefully. Then, well, somehow I thought I would keep it to show to someone. You, I suppose. And the Coventry one arriving this morning made up your mind for you? Yes. Well, you did the right thing, sir. If you knew the number of poison pen letters that get written but never come anywhere near our hands... Is that so? Oh, yes. I must admit, Inspector, I... I hesitated. Well, I thought you might <laughs> laugh. Laugh, sir? Well, it's... Anonymous letters are never a laughing matter to me. However, I, I think you should set your mind at rest about these cards of yours. Oh, you do? You say you're quite sure there's no one likely to be bearing a grudge against you? I've no cause to think there would be. Well, then, in my opinion, there are hoax. Don't ask me why anyone should decide to play a hoax in this form, I don't know. It seems to me, uh, well, uh, a, a literary matter, if you see what I mean. Uh, I think so. At a guess, and it is only a guess, I'd say your friend Mr. Dodson hit the nail on the head. Some dotty woman who's read all your books and perhaps read more into parts of them than you intended has to write you about them. Uh, and this is the only form she's managed to hit it off in. I see. So you think it's unlikely that she'll ever show up in person? Very unlikely indeed, sir. If she was that sort, she'd have given an address and angled for some sort of a reply. Ah, yes, sir, of course. Well, Inspector, I'm very much obliged to you. You've taken a weight off my mind. Very pleased to help, Mr. Streeter. You'll find they'll dry up before long. Uh, you'll let us know if you get any more, though. Oh, quite. Most certainly. I hate to trouble you twice within 24 hours, Inspector. I know how much you have to do. But it came by this morning's post, and I, I thought it best to bring it to you at once. Well, never mind about that, Mrs. Frieda. It'd help us more if everyone acted as promptly as you. Uh, then take a seat, won't you? Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, may I see it, please? Oh, yes. Here you are. It's it's a picture of Gloucester Jail. Gloucester Jail? Well, I'm blessed. I used to be down that way myself. Yes, I remember that all right. I never knew they made cards of that sort of thing. Oh, yes, yes. Morbid fascination, you know. Uh, now, let's see what she has to say this time. I am quite close now. My movements, as you may have guessed, are not quite under my control. I'll say they aren't. York, Coventry, Gloucester. It's a pretty roundabout route to London. Very. But all being well, I look forward to seeing you sometime 
this weekend, then we can really come to grips. I wonder if you'll recognize me. It won't be the first time you've given me hospitality. T. Stringo Lamano, as always, W.S. Yeah. Inspector... Mr. Sheedy, you'll forgive me asking, but you're quite sure you've been altogether frank about this thing? Frank? Of course I've been frank. I wonder if you'll recognize me. It won't be the first time you've given me hospitality. Hardly the sort of thing you'd expect from a complete stranger. Well, now, look here, Inspector. Uh, had... Now, now, sir. I'm sorry, but if you mean to imply... I that... imply nothing at all, sir. We, we see a little of everything in this job, you know, sooner or later. And when it comes to the matter of a, a lady, well, uh, w what I mean is... There has never been anything of the sort. Very good, sir. Then I take it that you've still no idea whatsoever who W.S. could be. None at all. Only... Uh, yes? Well, you'll consider this absurd, but I might as well tell you. After I left you yesterday, I went over and over in my mind as to whether there could be anyone with a sort of grudge against me. I should perhaps tell you that I'm not a man of strong personal feelings... Such feelings as I have go into my books. Sublimation. Very useful, too. <laughs> exactly. Well, in my books, I've drawn some pretty nasty characters in my time. Well, not of recent years, however. Recently, I found myself reluctant to draw a very bad man or a woman. I feel it's, well, morally irresponsible and artistically unconvincing, too. You follow me? Yes, yes. But in the past, though, when I was younger and more inclined to see things as black or white, I let myself go once or twice. I remembered last night about a character in one of my very early books. The Outcast, it was called. A character into whom I really got my life. And was... Uh... No, wait. I wrote about this man with extreme vindictiveness, just as if he were a real person I was trying to show up. I can still remember the curious pleasure it gave me to attribute every kind of wickedness to him. Never gave him the benefit of any doubt, never felt a twinge of pity for him, even when I made him pay the penalty for his misdeeds on the gallows. By the time I'd finished that book, I was so worked up about the idea of this dark creature, I felt almost frightened. I can understand how that could be. I don't remember my early books awfully well, so I took down this one last night and turned the pages. It was only then that I remember the man's name. It was William Stainsforth. Will... W.S.? My own initials. Pure coincidence, of course. Naturally. I only tell you this because it explains why I came hurrying round to you this morning. Our talk yesterday had left me feeling so much better, relieved, until this absurd coincidence cropped up and weakened my resistance again. When this last card came through the box this morning, I was almost glad to be given the excuse to come out and see you. <clears throat> and uh, you leave here relieved again, I hope. <laughs> yes, much better for the talk. And now I must let you get on with more important things. Oh, well, we are kept pretty busy, you know, sir. Never too busy to help them. But uh, take my word for it, this hoax has just about played itself out. I'll be very surprised indeed if you clap eyes on Mr. or Mrs. W.S. this weekend or any other time. Well, I sincerely hope not. But uh, speaking of the weekend, though... Yes, sir? Uh, well, I thought... I wondered, just in case, whether one of your men in the vicinity couldn't, well, perhaps keep a bit of an eye on my place. Just in passing, perhaps. Well, mm. well, well, yes, I, I dare say we could manage that. Yeah, yes, of course. Ah, then you've relieved my mind completely. We'll do the best we can, Mr. Streeter. 
Can't have your mind taken off your work now, can we? <laughs> what do you know, Inspector? I feel more like working today than I've felt for weeks. You don't know how grateful I am. Oh, don't mention it. Good day, sir. Good morning, Inspector. That was Tuesday morning, Dodson. Tuesday morning to Sunday evening. That's five and a half days without a sign of a card. Oh, bully for the inspector, then. Your practical jokers packed it in. Mind you, I was still a bit worried after that last talk. But I decided the best thing was to make myself work and forget it all. And you know, I've worked solidly ever since. Good stuff, too, although I say it myself. You see? I've hardly been able to tear myself away from the typewriter to eat my meals. So, have you rung up the police and told them not to bother? I thought about it, but I decided to leave it over the weekend. Oh, well, they've made their arrangements anyway. Nothing elaborate. They're too short-handed. I didn't see a policeman as I came along the street. No, oh, but there was one there earlier. Standing at the corner. Helmet and <laughs> all. Oh. No. He's not there now. I thought for a moment of going along and asking him to come in for a cup of tea or a drink. <laughs> You're quite your old self again, my dear chap. Oh, but I was nearly forgetting. I'm just en route to the club. I popped in to see if you'd join me. Oh, no, 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 thanks, old man. I must keep at it. On Sunday evening? Oh, it's going too well. I feel good for another thousand words or so before I turn in. I, I tell you what, though. Mm -hmm. Call in for a nightcap on your way home. I'll have done as much as is good for me by then. Jolly good. I look forward to that. Till later, then. Till later. it was. I like the gas fire. Ah! Won't you take the taps off and make yourself at home? Good Lord. Are those snowflakes on you? I didn't realize it was snowing. I can't stay long. I've got a job to do, as you know. Oh, yes. Such a silly job, I'm afraid. Well, I suppose you know what it's about, the, the postcard. Uh-huh. Nothing can happen to me as long as you're here. I shall be as safe, uh, as safe as houses. Well, stay as long as you can and have a drink. I never drink on duty. Oh, so this is where you work? Yes, I was writing when you rang. Mm, some poor devil's for it, I expect. I, I beg your pardon. Uh, excuse me. Hello? Mr. Streeter? Yes? Ah, uh, good evening. Just rang to ask how everything is at your place. All right, I hope, sir. Oh, splendid, splendid. That's good. I rang because I'm sorry to say we weren't able to do that little job we were going to do for you after all. 
Dreadfully short-handed this weekend, I'm afraid, sir. But... But you did send someone. No, sir, I'm afraid we couldn't manage. But... but, but there's one here. In this very house. He can't be one of our chaps. Can you see his number by any chance? No. No, I, I can't. I see. Would you like us to send somebody now? Y yes. Uh, please. All right, then. We'll be with you in Yeah. Uh, constable. Had you forgotten I was a policeman? What? You are a policeman. I've been other things as well. Thief, pimp, blackmailer, not to mention murderer. You should know. I... I don't know what you mean. Why do you speak like that? I've never done you any harm. I've never set eyes on you before. No, haven't you? But you've thought about me and you've written about me. You got some fun out of me, didn't you? Now I'm going to get some fun out of you. You made me as nasty as you could. Wasn't that doing me harm? I... You didn't think what it would feel like to be me, did you? You didn't put yourself in my place, did you? You hadn't any pity for me, had you? Well, I'm not going to have any pity for you. But I tell you, I, I don't know you. And now you say you don't know me. You did all that to me and then forgot me. You forgot William Stainsforth. William Stainsforth? Yes. I was your scapegoat, wasn't I? You unloaded all your self-dislike on me. You felt pretty good while you were writing about me. Now... As one W.S. to another, what shall I do if I behave in character? Huh? I don't know. You don't know. You ought to know. You fathered me. What would William Stainsforth do if he met his old dad in a quiet place? His kind old dad who made him swing. You know what he'd do as well as I. No. No, you don't. Because you've never really understood me. I'm not so black as you painted me. You never gave me a chance, but I'm going to give you one. That shows you never understood me, doesn't it? Yes. If you can tell me of one virtue you ever credited me with, just one kind thought, one redeeming feature, yes. then I'll let you off. And, uh, and if I can't? Then that's just too bad. We'll have to come to grips. And you know what that means. You took off one of my arms, but I've still got the other. Stains for the iron arm, you called me. No. So start thinking. I, I can't. You, you've got one minute. How could you expect me to think? I no use. It's no use. Then if you won't help yourself. <laughs> I, I don't care. Do what you must. No. There's nothing to be said for you. Of all your dirty tricks, this is the dirtiest. <laughs> you want me to whitewash you, do you? How dare you ask me for a character? I've given you one already. God forbid I should ever say a good word for you. I'd rather die. Then die. <laughs> Inspector. Is he... I'm afraid so, Mr. Dodson. Still warm, but quite dead. But how? Strangled. See the marks on his throat? Yes. I see them. And look. His hand's crushed. 
crushed. Inspector. Yes, sir. There are... Aren't those... Snowflakes on it? Snowflakes? By Jove. I left the club early. So I walked all the way back here. It's a beautiful night. Not a cloud in the sky. W.S. By L.P. Hartley. Adapted for radio by Michael and Molly Hardwick. The streeter was played by Max Adrian and Dodson by Simon Lack. Other parts were played by Vivian Chatterton, John Brining and Leslie Perrins. The producer was Charles Lefeu. Well, that's going to do it for tonight, guys. We hope you enjoyed tonight's double feature. If you'd like to hear more, we invite you to follow us on Twitter, where we share all our episodes on various platforms. Thanks again. Have a good night.